All right, so I want to do something here, and I hope that you find this as interesting as I do. By the way, Jessica Hedenhausen, it is so lovely to see you. Um, but I want to say, I, I want to bring you into an experience that I had on Wednesday morning when I was out on my walk. And most of you have been here long enough to know that my walk, my prayer walk, my time with God in the morning is everything for me. Every sermon I've ever preached has come out of that. Every thing I've ever done in church, everything I do in all of my life comes out of that walk. So I was on my walk on Wednesday morning, and I was at Northeast 10th and Bellevue Way, if you know where that is, the Wendy's. I was at that corner, and they put in different kind of lights, so it was quite a long light. And you're going to hear how long it was, because it was one of those moments where I'm standing there on that street corner, and all of a sudden, God just goes, and just the, the floodgates of heaven open, and he just starts pouring this stuff into me. And you, like I said, it's going to take me longer to describe than what I was standing there by a long shot. But I think you're going to find this to be extraordinary, and I think you're going to see how this really interesting things God's been doing in the last four weeks with these sermons, and I'll explain that in a second, really come to a culmination, and even then some. So with that in mind, who is our prayer today? Miles? Okay. Oh, lovely. Yeah, Miles, this is awesome. Yeah. So lift up the sermon, lift up another church too, would you? Lord, we just uh, come to you this morning and just praise you and thank you for everything you've done this week. Um, and Lord, we pray that you will give peace to our heart and our mind this morning so we can get what you have for us. Um, Amen. To, to uh, fill your love in this message today that you have for us. And we just thank you for this opportunity to be with family and learn and love you. And Lord, we just lift up uh, my brother's church in Albania, Korcha. And Lord, mm -hmm. they've been going through some amazing and wonderful things. And we pray that you'll touch the youth in there and um, they've multiplied and Lord, we just uh, praise you for what you've done and what you're going to do. Amen. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank Amen. you, Lord. Thank you, Miles. That's awesome. Thank you, Lord. Okay, so I really need you to be praying, sort of like the whole time during this sermon, because this sermon is one of those sort of lighter than air to where in order to really get it, you re it's really got to be just so delicately presented and put to where all of a sudden it just goes, okay? So be praying for me, would you? All right. So, so I'm out on my walk, and the first thing that I do on my walk is I go to uh, the soap. Now, as is happening, uh, can you click it for me? Thanks. Okay. Yeah, see the wash? Okay. So this is the, this is the okay, now that's way far in. Uh, give me a hand here, guys. Go back to slide one, if you would, please. And then, could, could Adam or somebody, could you please fix this? And I'll just tell you when to click. Thank you. Okay, so that's not even it. <laughs> Go back one more. Okay, all right, so here's the app. Now, this is the new app. And again, I, I just want to tell you, we did not want to change apps, and we really liked what we had and so on, but they changed the platform, and it just simply quit working as they quit updating it, and the operating systems and so on update. So the bottom line is, is we had to do this, but this is really good. So here we go, and thank you, Justine, again for doing that. But here's what it looks like, and it looks a little better than that because of the way the camera's done. But, but now I want you to click over one more, guys. Now go to the bottom... Um, can you hear me? Okay, you see the little highlight down there? You see where it says Devo, you see down at the bottom? That's where you get your Devos from now. It used to be one of those squares and you just hit the square and you'd go, but here's the Devo. Now go ahead and click, okay? So here's the click and I want you to see, this is the SOAP reading plan. And for those of you who don't do it, I'd really ask you to pray about doing it. And there's a couple of reasons why, but the Lord really sinks the sermons and the SOAPs. In fact, we have been doing for the last 
several months, we have been doing a series where what we've been doing is looking at the Old Testament in order to understand the roots, the grounding, the foundation of the New Testament. Because when you understand where the New Testament is coming out of, you understand it much more deeply and richly, right? So we've been having God move a whole lot as we've been looking at the Old Testament and seeing how it informs the new. So that's what we've been doing. And we've also linked, now Tammy, hello? It's just one of those mornings, okay? It was on my end, and it was on their end. It's gonna be an interesting morning, pray. I really feel like the Lord wants to say something important here, and I just feel like we've been withstood on this, and that doesn't bother me at all because I feel like the Lord's gonna have his way, okay? So the bottom line is, is that, is that when you're looking at these soaps, one of the things we've done in order to be in the book which we're looking at, we're doing the books in just a few weeks. So like we do Genesis in six weeks, but then we did Leviticus we're doing in like one week. Okay, so we're just kind of hitting the, the high points. So we're trying to match the Old Testament readings with the book that we're in because it's proven to be very helpful, even though sometimes, sorry, you can end up with quite a long passage in the Old Testament. So, you know, just do what you would with that. Okay, so here's the point. Now click, okay, uh, back, yeah. Okay, you see that Wednesday right there? You can't even see it. Okay, uh, underneath it, it says Leviticus uh, 14, and then it says Matthew 8. So that is the passage that we were in on Wednesday morning, and I'm literally, I come out of my condo, and I walk on that one block up to Wendy's and the stoplight, and I'm reading, and as I'm reading, this thing happens. Okay, so I want you to see something. All right, so click. Is it working? Thank you very much. Thank you. So as I've said, we're, we, technically that's a Leviticus reading, and that's why we're in Leviticus, but here it is. The Lord spoke to Moses. This is the law concerning the person afflicted with a skin disease on the day of his cleansing. He's to be brought to the priest who will go outside the camp and examine him. If the skin disease has disappeared from the afflicted person, by the way, there's a lot of this kind of stuff in Leviticus for those of you who have been reading it, okay? But for the person who's doing this, the priest will order that two live birds be brought to the one who's to be cleansed then the, brought by them. So the priest will order that one of the birds be slaughtered over the fresh water in a clay pot. It's killed and the blood is drained into the pot. And he is to take the live bird and dip it into that pot, into the blood of the bird that was slaughtered. And then he takes some of that blood and he sprinkles it seven times on the one that's to be cleansed and he's to pronounce him clean, and then he releases the live bird over the open countryside. Now that's the image that I really need to have in your head. I need you to have this image that they take the one bird, the blood comes out, they take that blood, they sprinkle it on, and then they put some of that blood on that other bird, that blood's on that bird, and then they release it. I need you to have that image. What would it just picture? The, they release the bird, it just flies away. See what I mean? It just goes away, all right? Keep that in your mind. So here's what happens. So I read just that section, and it's the whole chapter, and it's quite a long chapter, and it's got a lot of other stuff in it. And the Lord says to me, now go to the New Testament. And I say, no, <laughs> because I'm not that kind of guy. You know what I mean? I feel like, I don't know if it's FOMO or what, it's just I have to complete, right? And so if I'm supposed to read a chapter, I'm gonna read the chapter, right? This is a total anal retentive bad thing. Okay, but the point is, is I feel like I've got to finish it. So what I do is, is I'm going, no, and I'm just gonna read the whole thing. I'll get to the New Testament soon enough. And so I was trying to read it and it's like this, which is, I don't know about you, but I don't care terribly about this, right? Skin diseases and so on, you know, and all the various th stuff, but I know that there's stuff in it and I get lots of rich stuff out of it. But I'm reading this, and I'm literally the words are starting to turn into like where they just disappear on the page. You know what I mean? I cannot concentrate on them. I cannot make any sense out of them. I just get so fun. I go, okay, God. Okay. So now I go to, I flip down, and I go to the New Testament. Now watch this. It happens all the time in soaps. When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. Right away, a man with a serious skin disease came up and knelt before him. <laughs> Now, you have to understand, part of the reason that I'm on my walk that day is because with my mom's passing, which my mom passed away about two weeks ago in a few days, 
with my mom's passing, I was so inundated with stuff to do that I wasn't able to pray about what we're supposed to do next here and all that kind of stuff. So now here I am doing a sermon and I'm not sure what he's doing in the larger picture. And I like to know that. I don't have to, but I like to. And so I'm out there to pray in part, are we supposed to go back to doing Old Testament to inform New Testament, those sermons, or have you moved on? And one of the reasons I'm thinking that is because we just had four weeks that was remarkable where we as a preach team said, we're supposed to do something and we're not going to set a theme for it. We just think we're supposed to ask Joe and then Kevin and then uh, Justine. And then it wasn't John. I was supposed to preach last week, but I, again, with my mom passing, I knew I was going to have to. And so, so I asked John and now watch this. Joe preached, I think, one of the most memorable sermons that's ever been preached at Lake Sam. Absolutely extraordinary. Just extraordinary. As Julie said just recently, she said, I remember every word of that sermon. It was just beautiful. And then Kevin comes along and he takes the idea, the theme that Joe set up. And the theme that Joe set up was, is what happens when God doesn't do what you want him to do? What happens when the circumstances aren't what you want them to be, what you think they should be, and frankly, what you're used to them being in him? What happens when there's a different thing going on? Primarily, will you still love him? Is your love dependent upon circumstances? Or is it simply dependent upon him? No matter the circumstances. And she told us this story about circumstances that were quite difficult. And do you love him? And she came out with, I do. And then Kevin comes in the next week and takes that whole thought a whole level deeper. And then Justine comes out the next week. Now you have to understand something. Justine was assigned the sermon and was working on the sermon before she had any idea what Joe or Kevin was going to preach. Now Joe and Kevin might have talked, but I don't think they did. Did you, you guys? I don't, they, we meant it to be kind of a one-two, but I think they were just sort of, this is what God's giving me. But the point is, by the time we get to Justine, it definitely is not that. And so what happens is, is that the Lord puts something on her heart and it is absolutely the next sermon in a series that you couldn't plan out that well. And then I get on the phone with John who hasn't heard any of these sermons. And, and I say, John, I think I need you to preach. What do you got? And he says, well, he said, I have two things. One of them I don't think I care about, but one of them has really been on my heart a lot. He hasn't heard those three sermons. And he describes the next sermon in the sequence if you were putting it together. And then he preached it, and you, you who heard it, it seemed like that was, it seems like God was very much saying a very consistent thing. By the way, John's sermon was spectacular. All of them were. And so the point is, here we are, and I'm sitting there going, God, you're doing something so powerful, so strong on Wednesday morning. I'm saying, do you really, do you want me to continue with that? You know, I literally, at the end of John's sermon, I came up and spoke for a couple of minutes, and I thought that might be next week's sermon, but then I felt like God was telling me to say it last week, so I did. And I thought that was the end of it. And then I'm standing here, and I'm going, do we go back to, do I go to Leviticus now after that? <laughs> Where do I go? What, do I, what am I supposed to do? You see what I'm doing? And all of a sudden, the Lord does this. And I'm sort of sitting there going, feels like he's saying something. <laughs> has me read a section in the Old Testament about skin diseases and then has Jesus deal with skin disease. Now, it'll get more so. I, wouldn't, I don't want to read too much into something like that, that kind of coincidence, but I also don't want to not read in what the Lord's trying to say. So I'm feeling like, gee, maybe you're confirming to me that we're supposed to do this Old Testament, New Testament thing and keep doing that because there's something in it that you want to continue to do. So, but I'm also thinking, what do I do that sort of stays in the flow that we've got? And that's what happened when I was sitting there. He takes me down the one road and the other road at the same time, as only he can do. So what happens is, here's the, here's the way the rest of it goes. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, he touched him saying, I am willing, be made clean. Immediately his disease was healed. Then Jesus told him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses prescribed as a testimony to them. Well, I now know what Moses prescribed because it was in that Leviticus passage. <laughs> and I went back and read it later because that's how I am, right? 
So the point is, is there is, again, that sort of thing where he's saying, hey, right? But at the same time, when I read this thing, I'm standing there waiting for the light to turn. And the first thing that hits me is healing. Healing. Something about healing. And I have no idea what it is. It's just that I know the Lord is saying, look at this regarding the healing. And so I'm looking at it. And all of a sudden, I see something. The first thing, uh, we're going to get to the, the first thing is, as I'm thinking about healing, it comes into my mind about the Day of Atonement. Now, the Day of Atonement, real simply, is this. It's at the end of the calendar year for the Jewish people. It's coming up pretty soon, about a month or so from now. It's coming up, it's at the end of the year, and what happens is the Israelites have been sinning throughout the year. They have been making their own choices, going their own way, doing their own thing, and they've been doing this and building this up for about a year, and he gives us a day of at-one-ment to become one with him again. So it's been building up the things we've done to go our own way, which is to say we've been separating ourselves from him who is life. And what we say is the penalty for sin is death. And what we're doing is we're saying we recognize that when we go our own way, what we're deserving of is to be separated from you, which is death, absence of life, death. You see it? So what I'm doing, I'm, I get that in my head, and I'm thinking about Day of Atonement, and I'm remembering that what God does is he has you bring in two goats as part of the ceremony, there's other things too, but you bring in two goats, you slaughter, you cast lots, then you slaughter the one, the blood is poured out, that blood is then taken into the tabernacle, which we've been looking at. You go into the tabernacle, the holy place, but then you go to the holy of holies, the thing behind the veil, where God, the, the Ark of the Covenant is, the law is in the covenant, and on top of it is a seat. So literally it's called the mercy seat, where literally God is sitting on the law. See, he's keeping the law from being what controls. It is his holiness, but he's saying there's mercy. And what you do is you take some of that blood and you sprinkle it on the mercy seat because what you're saying to God is, I recognize that the choices I made this year should have resulted in my separation from you, which is to say death. I realize that that's what should have happened. But I also realize that you're a merciful God and that you're allowing me to kill an animal instead and take this blood. And when I'm supposed to be doing this blood, I'm supposed to be saying to God, forgive me. Thank you for letting something else stand in and not me dying. But here, you see it? Now that's what happens. And then you take that blood and you put it on the head of the goat that wasn't slaughtered. And then you chase that goat away. That's why I call it the scapegoat. You chase it away. Now you see how the Day of Atonement and that bird thing totally connect in my mind. You see it? Because it's the same exact pattern. You take one and you kill it. You take the blood. You sprinkle it on for healing, for restoration, for mercy. And then you put the rest on the other and then it's away. Just chased away. Right? Now, this is a long light. <laughs> But I want you to see what happens next while I'm still standing at the light. Okay? <laughs> you got it? It's like a car accident, you know, where you remember all these vivid details and it happened in a nanosecond and you can tell, can't tell it in 15 minutes. So. so I'm standing there at the light and all of a sudden what comes into my mind is, oddly enough, Walter Rangren's Ragman. You, know, you guys know the story? One of the best stories, short stories ever written. Okay, it's a classic in Christianity. And I want, you to, I want you to see this, okay? Because here's how it goes. And I'm not reading the whole thing. I'm just reading the first so you can see what Ragman is. I saw a strange sight. I stumbled upon a story most strange, like nothing in my life, my street sense, my sly tongue had ever prepared me for. Hush, child, hush now, and I will tell it to you. Even before the dawn one Friday morning, I noticed a young man, handsome and strong, walking in the alleys of our city. 
He was pulling an old cart filled with clothes, both bright and new, and he was calling in a clear tenor voice, rags! All the air was foul and the first light filthy to be crossed by such sweet music. Rags, new rags for old. I take your tired rags, rags. Now this is a wonder, I thought to myself, for the man stood six foot four and his arms were like tree limbs, hard and muscular, and his eyes flashed with intelligence. Could he find no better job than this to be a rag man in the inner city? I followed him, my curiosity drove me, and I wasn't disappointed. Soon the ragman saw a woman standing on her back porch and she was sobbing into her handkerchiefs, sighing and shredding, shedding a thousand tears. Her knees and her elbows made a sad X and her shoulders shook. Her heart was breaking. The ragman stopped his cart and quietly he walked to the woman, stepping around, tin can, dead toys and pampers. Give me your rag, he said so gently, and I'll give you another. He slipped the handkerchief from her eyes she looked up and he laid across her palm a linen cloth so clean and new that it shined. And she blinked from the gift to the giver. Then as, she began, then as he began to pull his cart again, the ragman did a strange thing. He put her stained handkerchief to his own face and then he began to weep, to sob as grievously as she had done, his shoulders shaking, yet she was left without a tear. This is the wonder I breathed to myself and I followed the sobbing ragman like a child who cannot turn away from mystery. Rags, rags, new rags for old. In a little while when the sky showed gray behind the rooftops, I could see the, sh the shredded curtains hanging out black windows and the ragman came upon a girl whose head was wrapped in a bandage whose eyes were empty. Blood soaked her bandage. A single line of blood ran down her cheek. Now the tall ragman looked upon this child with pity and he drew a lovely yellow bonnet from his cart. Give me your rag, he said, tracing his own line on her cheek and I'll give you mine. The child could only gaze at him while he loosened the bandage, removed it and then tied it to his own head. The bonnet he set on hers and I gasped at what I saw for with the bandage went the wound against his brow. It ran darker, more substantial blood, his own. Now the story goes on for a couple more pages and you see the ragman who starts off six foot four tall, strong, and as he goes from person to person, he not only, he, he doesn't just give them healing, he takes upon himself what was wrong with them. And by the end of the day, the author, the guy watching, is mortified because this six foot four tall guy is now a shriveled old man who can barely walk. And he limps back to his garbage heap and lays down. And the guy says in the story, I wept. I couldn't keep from weeping and I wept all night. And when the morning light came, when it just started to peek up, all of a sudden the ground shook and I looked up and in, amazing, in amazement what I saw was the ragman rising again, six foot four, tall and strong, ready to go out and do this again. That's a beautiful story. That's a beautiful story and nothing I'm about to say should come against that story in any way because of the message of the story. But I want to tell you something. Sitting there on that street corner, God brought to me the atonement and then he brought to me that ragman story, but it was in the context of healing. And what he said to me was, I want you to see something about Jesus. There is something that we lay upon him. Oh, by the way, uh, this is just saying that chapter 16, Thursday's reading was the Day of Atonement. So if you think the Lord was in the soap readings, and I think he is, then there you go. But this is where, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I'm willing. It should say, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me. Shouldn't that, isn't that what it says? Didn't the person with skin disease need healing? Yet what he asked was to be made clean. And you would think that Jesus would correct him and say, I am willing, be healed. But he doesn't, does he? He says, be made clean. And I've gotten this out of order, so you're now seeing Ragman. But here's what I want to show you. There is something that we lay upon Jesus. It's our sin. It's our choices. Those times when we separated from him, when we ripped away from him, those are the stripes that he has on his body on the cross. 
But here's what the Lord showed me while I was standing on that street corner. What he takes upon himself is our sin. But he doesn't take upon himself the cancer. He doesn't take upon himself the diabetes. He doesn't take upon himself the tumors. He doesn't take upon himself whatever the sickness and disease is, does he? He takes our sin and he goes into the ground having paid for it the scapegoat is looking forward one year at a time to the perfect sacrifice. Now Jesus is this perfect sacrifice. Now every sin that is ever committed looks back at that cross and he takes it and kills it and he takes away the consequence of that sin to you and me. That's what he does. That's what he takes upon himself. But what he doesn't take upon himself as I'm sitting on that street corner is the actual sickness. What does he do with that sickness? This is what I saw. He says, go away. <laughs> He casts it away, like the bird, like the scapegoat. You see what I'm saying? He just goes away. <laughs> he takes it from us, flings it far away. In an instant, it's gone. Now, watch this. He himself bore his sins in our body on the tree so that, having died to sin, we might live for righteousness. You've been healed by his wounds. And I've always taken that to mean, honestly, that the healing that I get is because I had cancer and now he has healed me of cancer and that that happened by the stripes. That isn't actually true. There's a, there's, a, there's a thing in here that's very important. There is a healing there and that healing is the total absolute healing. But watch. Make me clean. Be made clean. This is a picture of a macadamia nut. Now, you can't see the nut very well, but you see it. There's a nut. That's a seed. You know that, right? The nut's the seed. And what's around that nut is old encased stuff that's decaying and dying. There's something that is right? The seed is in something. The seed itself is life. And it has all the potential of life and all the growth of life and everything else. What's in the shell, what the shell is, is something that's decaying and that's dying. Now, watch, what it, watch what's being said here. What we suffer now and I know that he's talking about persecution in particular, but I want you to read it in its broader sense. What we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Now I'm going to phrase that. He's saying who really is his child and who isn't, and that's the sense of it. But I want you to say it's also true that we see in a mirror dimly now. And that in the day that we're redeemed by him, then the day that we're with him, then we see and are known in this, and we know in the same way that we're known, which is completely and utterly. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Now watch. God makes the heavens and the earth, the universe and everything in it. He makes it all and it is filled with life. And that's all it is. At some point in time, we who have been given dominion over all of that, we make a choice to eat the fruit of the tree he said not to, and in so doing, we separate ourselves from him. See it? Now, when we separate ourselves from him, we who have dominion, we subjected the whole of creation to what we call in physics entropy. And here's what entropy means. Complicated things can build up, but they're always trying to get back down to nothing. Let me put it in the form of a, of a body, and this is a scripture, of course. This body that I am in is a miracle. It is a miracle of elements coming together and there being life. It's a miracle. 
But I came from dust, and I will return to dust. So yes, life happened, and a more complicated thing happened, but it's trying to get back to dust, to a simpler state. Decay, death. We're the ones that introduced something being absent from the creator such that it would decay and die. Now I'm thinking about healing here. And I'm, I'm still on a street corner. <laughs> this is quite a street corner, right? I'm still on a street corner and all of a sudden I realize something about healing. We're the, we're the seed. Everything else is the shell. When the doctor comes to you and gives you that word about what's wrong with you, you own that word as your identity. We just can't help but do it. As much as we try to see life differently the way God does, we still are in these bodies and we're linked with them in such a way as that when our bodies go wrong, it's our life that is now decaying. It's our life that is now dying. It is the shell, but we see it as us. To reveal who his children really are. What are you? When we look at our life, what we see is shell and seed. And we think that's our life. But the truth is when God looks at our life, all he sees is seed. That shell is just decaying. It's not good for anything. Now understand what this meant in that moment while I was on that. This is, I'm right at the end now, what happened on the sidewalk. What happened when I was on that sidewalk is all of a sudden God said, do you see how different healing is than what you were thinking before? You were thinking that you need to be healed. You don't need to be healed. You're still clean and pure and, then, and the seed, the macadamia nut. You're still delicious and filled with life and there's nothing wrong with you at all, period. There may be something going on in the shell in which you live, but that's not you. In healing, it's incredibly important that you see things the way God does. We can take that to an extreme and to a, a perverted place where if you don't have enough faith, then you can't get healed. Okay, I'm not talking about that, okay? Can we set that aside? Here's what I am talking about. Jesus, every single time he heals anybody, every single time he heals anybody and the description is long, he makes a point to say, your faith has made you well. No, you did, Jesus. You made me well. And he says, no, your faith made you well. Now, we all know that it was Jesus that made us well, right? But do, do we understand that there's something to us understanding what Jesus is saying as being more than what we think? Do we know who we are? No. Because we're linked to this body in such a way as that my identity is wrapped up in the seed and the shell. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing something about healing, which I'm going, oh, this makes it easy for me to believe. Because here's what happens when I get cancer. I'm not prophesying that I do. But if I, if I would do, were to get cancer and, and God healed me, here's what he'd be doing. He just takes the part of the shell, the dead thing, and just casts it away. He just sends it out. See what I mean? It's just gone. Do you see how it's, do you see, I think it makes a huge difference in what you can believe. Because if you own the word that the doctor told you, that's your identity, that's what you hold on to. And you hold on to the word as strongly as you hold on to God. But if you would understand something about what God's actually trying to do, and even right now, the life we are concerned with, the life that we understand, the life that we are living while we're in this world is this life, the one we see, where there's some seed, but a lot of shell. See that? And what God's trying to do right now is he's trying to do this. The life that God wants us to see is eternal life. What is that? The seed. 
absent the shell. The one separated, freed from this world. He wants us to see that when we are born again, that we are separate, we are in this world, but not of it anymore. There is his seed in us. There's a new creature in us. There's a new thing, a new reality, a new truth, a real you, an eternal you, which cannot sin, cannot sin, and which is never anything but that pure, beautiful, white, glorious macadamia seed. I feel like I haven't been able to get us here. I'm asking you, Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, would you please bring the revelation like you gave it to me on that street corner? Let people see what a difference it makes to see themselves the way that you do. Nobody, the shell has gotten the disease, has the corruption, has the decay in it. We aren't. We don't. We are separated from that. Please, God, bring that home to everybody here. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now, that's the street corner. And all of a sudden, I see this thing about healing, and I go, oh, my gosh. It's not just healing, is it? It's about how we see the whole of our life. What's your identity? The poverty that you're in, the financial straits that you're in, the relationship that's going bad, the, 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 all the, now what's God been talking to us about the last four weeks? How to separate circumstances, how to get rid of them, how to mean, how to understand that they mean nothing. I'm not saying they're not important. I'm not saying that there isn't something to them. I'm just saying, do you understand that this is not you? This is just a decaying world, which your body is part of. They understand who you really are in him. We sin and we look in the mirror and we think, I'm a sinner. And clearly we do sin. But do you understand that that seed cannot sin? The shell, yeah. But not you. When he looks at you, what he sees is that. So you see, this is bigger than just healing all of a sudden, isn't it? So now I'm walking down the street and I'm going past the apartment complex and I get right to about core yoga, Okay. And I'm, and I'm walking along, and I'm thinking about this, and I'm going, this is extraordinary, God. This is important. There's something of the way that we need to recalibrate who we are. We need to know who we are in Christ, who we really are. And then if we did, it would set us free from a whole lot of things that are trying to put us in a shell. See it? And that we're free from that. And we need to not identify ourselves with that. We need to identify ourselves with what it really is. And I'm doing this and all of a sudden he goes, now let me show you this. That's my mom. She's 90 some years old in that picture. And she's beautiful, isn't she? I mean, seriously. For, I mean... You know, she had very severe dementia, but absent the, absent the, absent the, that part of her brain which shut her body down, she would have lived to 200 years old. She was in spectacular shape. Now, there's my mom. And that's who I see her as, in my mind's eye, because that's, right? Let me show you the person that I never knew. But the person that she, as we all do, always thought herself to be too. That's her on the right. Oh man, I wish this. Uh, anyway, I just look at her. This is a wave. It's in Tahoe. It's just a gorgeous scene. And that, I never knew that person. Uh, she's not even married at this point. Okay. But that's my mom. Now, I never knew her like that. But, but do you see the life in it? Do you see the fun, the, the enjoyment? This the life, the abundant life, right? I want you to understand something. See, in all of life, there's a pattern, isn't there? We start off, we're born, and then we start to grow. And as we start to grow, there comes a point at which we sort of hit that max. Somewhere maybe in our 20s, 
There's still more growth in the brain that goes on, and there's still a lot more learning and wisdom. We're going to talk about that. But, there, but as far as the body goes, there is a peak moment, right? Where you've sort of grown as much as you're going to grow. And then from that moment on, it starts going like this. Now, you can arrest that through exercise and through other things and so on. But it does, right? It goes up, and it's pretty early. If you're going to live 90 years, you live a lot longer in the slope in the entropy, <laughs> heading back towards dust, than you do, right? See the pattern here? Maybe, maybe the way to do this is, this is my mom on her wedding day. Uh, I just, what can I do? I wish I could just print the picture and hold it up here for you so you could see it. It's just, look at that picture. But now I want to show you something. Which one's my mom? Of course. And yet, let me do something. The body may go like this and then long trail out, hopefully long trail. But wisdom goes like this. Right? Wisdom has a totally different curve than does the body. Something extraordinary has been happening in my life for about three years. I hit my milestone of 63 years ago, and it was the big change in my life. More than 16 when I could drive and 21 when I could drink. Those are the other two big birthdays in my life, and that was it. The rest of them were just birthdays, right? But 60 was huge. And there's all kinds of reasons. I don't want to go into all of them. It'd take too long. But here's what I want to tell you. For the last three years, I've been experiencing the most wonderful thing you could possibly experience in my mind. Let me contrast it to show you. I have a very good friend. Just got to talk to him yesterday for a very long time. And if you're listening, love you, Dennis. But Dennis is a cardiologist, and he works on his feet all day long fixing hearts. Does the operations. He goes into chest and fixes the heart. Right? He calls me up two, three years ago, and he says, oh, man. He said, I was getting real tired, and he said, I started taking, uh, somebody told me to take testosterone. I started taking testosterone again, and he said, I'm back. I'm back, baby. You know, I feel good. I, I'm totally clear in my thinking again. He said, I, this is just wonder drug. He said, take, the, take this stuff. It's great. Now, let me make something clear. For Dennis, who's operating on hearts, you couldn't give him enough testosterone before he could operate on me. And he's the only person in the world I would ever want to operate on me. But I still want him taking a lot of testosterone so that he could stand on his feet and be very clear about everything that he was supposed to do in my chest. Okay? So good for you, Dennis. Keep taking the testosterone. But when we were talking, I said to him, I don't want to take testosterone, and here's why. As my testosterone has dropped, and I think is now in a negative somehow, <laughs> as my testosterone has dropped... I suddenly am beginning to see that, I, that all my life, I saw life in a very narrow band. Now, to be clear, if you knew me, those, I saw it clearly. The stuff I saw, I saw clearly. Very focused, distinct, clearly. But when my testosterone started to drop, my field started to broaden. And I started seeing stuff. Layers. Nuance, subtleties, things incredibly difficult to even articulate because they're so connected with everything else that it's hard to, to segment. You see what I'm saying? It's like it's the whole. I started seeing, and I'm sure I'm still, in God's eyes, I'm still seeing just but a sliver, but I just started seeing more and more and more of who he is what life is, what the world is, what everything is. And as I saw this more and more and more, I started falling in love with everything in a whole new way. There was a whole lot of me for a whole lot of years because testosterone was driving me. And all of a sudden, there was just this other thing that was happening. And I started seeing things and they were beautiful. 
seeing things about him that were <laughs> mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. And I was going, this is, this is the greatest thing. I would never start taking testosterone if it meant I was going to lose that. If I was going to become totally clear about a very narrow segment, what a loss. The more I'm not as clear because it's not simple. Because it's layered and it's nuanced and it's beautiful. And it's beautiful in ways that are hard to articulate, but they're not hard to experience. So I'm looking at this and all of a sudden I'm thinking this on my walk now. I'm at core now and I've only walked about a block. But I'm doing this at core, and all of a sudden I started thinking about my mom, and I started thinking this, old age is such a blessing. In our youth culture, we don't think of it that way, right? But old age is such a blessing. But now watch, here's what the blessing is. It's not just wisdom. It's that all of a sudden you start realizing that all the things that you cared so much about really don't matter like you thought they did. Last week at the end of John's incredible sermon, I stood up here by the Lord's unction and I said some things and what I ended with was a prayer where I said, God, help me release my grip on the things that are keeping me from being able to hug you unencumbered. I hold on to things and you and I can't hold you alone. So release my grip that I should drop the things and I should hug you alone. That's what old age does for you. You can't hold on to this stuff anymore. It starts to go away. As great as it was, and you can remember it as being great, and it was great, and God gave it to you, and it was wonderful. Or it was very hard. Let me, let me paraphrase another scripture for you. For this light momentary affliction, sickness, persecution, issues, hardness, a relationship going bad, financial, all the things that we worry about that consume us, that, that break us, that break us, right? Now watch this. For this light momentary affliction, but also the joys of this life. Can I say something about this woman? This woman, more than anybody I think I've known in my entire life, lived in blessings. She grew up in a great family. She was beautiful. She was very smart. She had a lot of money. What else is there? Now, she also had some real trials. She had some real difficult things that happened in her life, too. But here's what I want to say. All the good things that happened to her that would make you really love this life, right? You can think based on what I'm saying, if you just have a whole bunch of hard things then you get to hating this life and you can't wait for heaven. That's not what God's trying to say at all, is he? What he's trying to say is all kinds of stuff has a hold on you. The bad stuff because you're overly consumed by it, because it owns you, but also the good stuff. All this stuff is just momentary. (laughs) It's an affliction. It's a shell. It's something that's trying to attach itself to you. (laughs) And it's causing you to be double-minded, to be distracted, to lose your focus on him and him alone. See it? All of that stuff, it's preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. This is what she was experiencing, in fact, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But I think I got a taste of it. I think I got a glimpse of it. Because I'm sitting here walking down. I'm I'm about to the the, uh, French linen place and the pizza place is next. And, and And I'm walking and all of a sudden, and I'm just having this just download of revelation from the Lord. And all of a sudden I'm going, oh my gosh, old age is a blessing. This is an incredible thing because it's helping me do what I really want to do, which is loosen my grip on the things of the world. It's helping me separate from the shell 
so that it's just me and you. You see it? This is a blessing. Oh my gosh. God is lovingly freeing us. He's reorienting all our hopes, desires, affections, and love from the world to him. We're getting to taste heaven now. What it's like to no longer mirror dimly life. To no longer be. My mom had dementia. Now watch this. My mom had dementia. I don't think that her spirit, which was genuinely the seed, which is different than the shell and what was happening in her brain, I don't think that absent, that she was going, I am so clear about everything that I'm thinking, but I just can't express it through my brain, which has now become miswired. I think that she was so trapped in her body. I think we're all so trapped in our lives that we cannot extricate that which is eternal from that which is temporal. I think we're imprisoned by this shell called the world, the universe and all the elements and everything in the physical. I think we're imprisoned in it. I don't think my mom was struggling. I know she was struggling to try and communicate and so on. And for a woman that communicated her whole life, that was very difficult for her. But the bottom line was, is I think the minute that she passed, the minute that her spirit left that body, I think she was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Now I think that regardless of what I'm about to tell you. But what I'm about to tell you is, is that the moment that my mother passed, the, the three boys were around her. Some of you read the thing, I hope you did, the miracle that God did, but we're not going into that. But the point is, is that the, the moment that my mother passed, there's another person very, very close to my mother who'd only known her for the last few decades of her life. She lived 90 of them, so you can know them. For, and she did not know this person over here at all. And my mom appeared to her. And the first thing that this person said about that moment was, is she said, youthful. Young, but it wasn't young as in being a child, and it wasn't young as in having lost wisdom. We always say this, I wish I'd have known then what I know now. I wish I could take what I know now and go back into that body and do life over again. <laughs> right? That's what we think, right? Youth is wasted on the young. But I think what happened, I think, I think what she said was, is she said, she was young. I'd, I'd never seen her young. It was still the muzz that was wise, that had learned, that it had all that. It was still that person very much, but her body, her, the thing that I was looking at, her aspect, was young, vibrant, filled with life at the pinnacle at the peak before any of the entropy and decay. She was young. Maybe you can't have it all. But now watch. I was permitted to tell the story, otherwise I would never. But the person said, upon her passing, I was overwhelmed with this thought of some things that had happened that were difficult in the last few years, very difficult. And I was actually kind of mad. And my mom was there with this big smile on her face and I expected her to apologize to me for the last few years. And she didn't. And I had to say, gee, you know, (laughs) feels like you should be saying sorry. And my mom with this smile It's all love. Everything that happened to you, every single thing that happened to you was ordained and orchestrated by God to show you love. 
You may not get it right now. That's not what she said, but that's the, you may not get it, but what I'm telling you is, when you see it from the other side and you look back, there isn't a moment or a thing that happened to you that wasn't love. <laughs> Abundant, overflowing, transforming love. Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, I'm asking you that we should taste heaven now. That we should taste love. That we should see our lives the way that you are teaching us to see it. Not shell and seed circumstances and worry and are you really measuring up God and all of the ridiculous things we think. I'm asking you, God, right now to come in and to start to fill us with an understanding of seed who we really are in you, what's really going on, that everything in our life is finely tuned, orchestrated love. You are love and everything you do is love and nothing but love. And I'm asking you right now, God, give brain dumps to everybody here like you did to me Wednesday morning. Just pour it in, pour it in, pour it in, pour it in. Start looking at your circumstances and realizing that those are not you. If you've got names of words of things that you think you are, you are not that. If you've got self-perceptions of things that you think are the way that you really are, it is not true. It is not who you are. If you've got problems, those problems are there. God loves you. These are orchestrated. God loves you. Every single moment, every single nanosecond of your life is love. Ordained, calibrated, orchestrated to bring you into the most loving relationship possible with him. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for everything in our life. Paul Weston, he says, in all things give thanks. That's his life verse in God, in Jesus' name. Let us own that. In all things we give thanks to you who are love and are totally in control and are doing everything because you love us. And no matter how much it seems like you don't let us be separated from that lie that we might come into the truth in Jesus' most spectacular name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Reach down and there's two cups here. In the bottom cup is this body that is our lives and that we have clearly lived in a way just by, just by ignorance is what we've just learned today. We just don't really see life the way it really is in you. And in so doing, God, we just caused so much brokenness to ourselves. We've just broken ourselves so many ways by going our own way and thinking our own thoughts and misunderstanding what's true. So in Jesus' holy and precious name, God, just take this and we just break it right now. Thank you, Jesus. And now we lift it up and I want you to lift it up and I want you to see right through that cup to Christ on the cross where by his stripes you are healed. He doesn't take that disease upon himself but he does take all of it that you might be one with him. That you might be made new seed. That all that other stuff can just be sloughed off. Thank you, Jesus. I take this cup to own the healing, the truth that sets me free. Take together. And now in Jesus' spectacular name, we lift up this cup in which is your blood, the blood sprinkled in mercy 
to set me free, to born me again, to make me new. If you are here and you have never received Jesus into your heart, oh my gosh, I can't think of a better moment. Right now, he has a life for you that is spectacular. And for all of us who do know him, there is still this life that he has. It's already there. Everything's been paid. It's just waiting for you. And so not by our flesh, but by your spirit, God. In love, cause us to lead that life. Take together saying, I want to lead your life. In Jesus' name.